episode of an uncommon dialogue um, for healing networks and we have Gabriel. Gabriel, how are you? I'm doing very well this evening. How are you? Yeah, wonderful. Um, so Gabriel, you're over in the States at the moment, correct? Yeah, I'm living in Ohio in America. Yep, awesome. Uh, what time is it there at the moment? Right now, it's 5.29 a.m. Oh, 5.30 a.m. Bless you for waking oh. up this early. Um, oh, perfectly all right. <laughs> um, so, Gabriel, tell us, talk to us about what, you, what you're doing. Um, you're doing some pretty cool things. Yeah, I'm doing some really interesting things right now. Mm -hmm. I'm currently on the radio on a radio show hosted by Beth and Barry Gilmer. It's called Sacred Journeys Radio, and my segment is a monthly segment. It's a monthly radio show, I guess you could say, on the Sacred Journeys radio station on Blog Talk Network. And my radio show is called Spiritual Wisdom with Gabriel Hackney. Mm -hmm. And when you go to find me on Facebook, you only see the spiritual wisdom with Gabriel instead of spiritual wisdom with Gabriel Hackney, which yeah. I'm perfectly all right with how that came about is a, is a pretty funny story. Actually, I went to go to Gmail to create a spiritual wisdom with Gabriel Hackney email. And that was too long. <laughs> so I just shortened it to spiritual wisdom with Gabriel. And that's what I did for the Facebook. So it all worked out. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. So why why spirituality? Well, there's a there's a great disconnect emotionally and intellectually with a lot of the world. There's a we see all this confusion and fear in not not just in today's world. It's it's always been like that. And the reason why it's like that is because one either people don't understand each other they have that lack of communication mm -hmm. and you gain that communication through understanding and through spirituality by being able to sense each other's energies mm -hmm. and two it's because there are also people who are empaths who are sensing each other's energies and are struggling emotionally and in so many other areas because they don't understand what any of this really is. Um, so people need some help in these areas to create some balance mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we have people like, I'm not going to say any names, but there's this one show that I really liked as a, as a kid. It was a science show that came on in the morning. And this man is now hosting a show for apparently my generation of millennials on Netflix yeah. and again without saying any names he was basically mocking spirituality and I was thinking huh you know it's it's you know uh, scientists shouldn't be blatantly mocking what can't be proven through their limited view it's like they're trying to look at the sky through a keyhole. Number one, they're looking straight ahead instead of looking up. And number two, they're only looking through that little keyhole. Mm -hmm. 
Instead, if they only learned how to open the door by twisting the handle, they could simply go outside and see. Why um, spirituality and not religion? Because spirituality isn't enclosed. It's not confined to religion. Religion is a way of trying to place rules, boundaries, borders around something that we are grasping at straws to understand because we're only viewing it through the very limited, very human perception of what we can see. And it's like we can see red, green, blue, and yellow with the red cones, the blue cones, and the cones in our eyes that see yellow and green. And then that makes up all the other colors. Well, there are organisms in the ocean that can see 12 different spectrums. We see three. So <laughs> if we are that limited just based upon our sight, then imagine all the other areas. Like the um, elephants are far more empathic than we could ever be from the physical aspect for how their physiology affects the how they feel energetically. And an another reason why I say spirituality and not religion mm. is that growing up in a mixed religious family, mixed Christian family. When you say mixed Christian, are you, are you comfortable in explaining what's like? Yes. Yes, absolutely. My interpretation of mixed Christian is when you have two different types of Christian faiths, you know, sort of battling each other for, you know, what they say is right. Um, my father's side of the family is Baptist, strict Baptist, while my mother's side of the family is Catholic. And that is a major, major difference, especially when considering that basically all Baptist people that I've ever encountered where they believe the King James Bible. They're like, if it's not King James, it's not the Bible. And I'm like, are you serious? Number one, they didn't like what was in there, so they took books out. <laughs> so the Catholic Bible is more accurate, but that's one religion. That's just, I mean, Catholicism and Judaism, these are religions from the East. Then there's the rest of the world. And I think it's really polarizing. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a word that's been thrown around a lot here in America, <laughs> but it, it, re it really is polarizing how opposite we see Eastern philosophy. When I say Eastern philosophy, I mean like Asia and um, that side of the world, but also other areas of the world. When you compare to that of what came out of the Middle East in the last 3,000 years with Judaism and Christianity, that's not to say that other parts of the Middle East dating back to Egypt and Samaria, that's not to say that they're not more focused on reincarnation like what we've seen in Egyptian mythology and Sumerian mythology. There's plenty of that. And like even with the Gnostic teachings, for example, um, in the Gnostic teachings, Christ spoke of something called Gnosis, 
where people would keep coming back over and over and over again until their spirits were more spiritually developed mm -hmm. and how the Jews spoke of hell basically as a place that you go to for a little bit it's not comfortable you know you don't like it but you know it's not necessarily something that you're there forever <laughs> and um, you know so, so we have all these different people fighting over something that they claim is right that they think is the truth and it's like if you just take a look at what the general consensus is and what we're seeing from authors like child psychologist Jim Tucker who who is a specialist in helping children who come back to life people who reincarnate he speaks of all these people who are reincarnating and I think his book is called back to life and I think he wrote another book as well which is awesome um, so we have not just the scientific consensus or and the historical consensus we have this really personal consensus from basically every single direction if we really want to get back to our origins it's important to see how that's affecting us today because with one part of our world we're saying that every man is their own self you know every man or woman with the more Asian philosophy we're seeing everyone is one I think that's really different um, can I ask you a question yeah sure you, you come from a background, a family that has two very um, diverse slices of a Christian pie. How, do, how does your family feel about you choosing either and walking your own path? Well, when it comes to my father's side of the family, I really don't talk about any of these things. <laughs> like, they're, I mean, we just don't have that communication. And it's not to say that um, we don't share topics, you know, from time to time. I just don't generally talk about those types of things with them because, in general, I know that's something that is probably outside of their comfort zone, and I can't say that for everyone. You know, I just prefer to avoid conflict in those areas you know just keep the peace because one what good is it really going to do if we're all ending up at the same place anyway and number two is it something that is important for them to receive mm. at that point in their life for their for their um for their circuit in their life for for this time because we can benefit each other in all these different ways through all these different religions and it's not necessarily that each one of these religions are entirely wrong but it's not necessarily to say that each one is entirely right either but at the same time with spirituality in many instances many examples there there are often times where it's neither right nor wrong but in choosing how a person wants to be 
and how they want to be with others. And if they're happy, okay. You know, if, if that's good for them and their community, then okay. If it's harming them or their community, then maybe talk about that, um, why that is, and how other communities respond. Um, but we also have to be very cautious and considerate of how other people want to live their lives. For example, um, one of the first books that I've read on success was The Law of Success and 16 Lessons. The author, Napoleon Hill, speaks about the person, I, I think this was The Law of Success and 16 Lessons, it may have been another one, but I think it was this one. It may have been How to Win Friends and Influence People, it was one of them. So anyway, the author talks about how one person can be in a negative state and then the other person goes to sit down with that person and lower themselves their energy to that state it's where the old saying holds true misery loves company it's because they can commiserate with somebody that's essentially what we call compassion to sorrow with that's the definition of compassion and we can grow through those experiences but the moment that the negative person raises their energy and becomes happy they want to leave that negative state mm -hmm. and so where does that leave the other person is the other person in a negative state now or do they choose to rise mm -hmm. with that person so that's something that we must be considerate about for all these communities, cultures, religions, where are they at now? Do they need that for themselves? Do they need to transition into another state? So that's something that we need to work on. That's why I'm currently writing a series of books, which are guidebooks to humanity. It's to develop a greater sense of humanity by first understanding, by first gaining a sense of understanding like the forms of love the forms of freedom forms of fear all these different aspects um, so before we even move on to success or history or health we need to have a basic understanding because you cannot hold new wisdom if your cup is already full it's very true going back to religion the only reason why I find it interesting is because I, like you, have also grown up with two um, religions in my background. And I, and I think for myself, um, I've been blessed with that life, human experience. It's forced me, or not forced, sorry, that might not be the correct term, but enabled an environment for me to be able to be open to all religions without judgment. As much as I don't follow any religion, I still have a deep love and respect for all because I understand um, the power of diversity and the necess how necessary it is for acceptance. Just from a human behaviour, um, and I want to say, I need to be very diplomatic when I say this because I don't want to come across... Um, judgmental or negative because it's not the place I'm coming from. But one one thing I'd like to maybe, I suppose, know is if you found 
you know, obviously religion has a lot a lot of um, rules and borders and guidelines, etc. Do you find a lot of people that do um, decide to follow that path of religion with such rules and um, things in place that they tend to live up to those fundamental principles? In general, these religious communities, they preach to their people, and this is for essentially all religions, that we are human, that because we are human, that we are imperfect. Mm -hmm. While at the same time, there is a perfection in that imperfection. Because if we were perfect, then we would all be a bunch of robots and we'd all basically either be the same or so similar for each of our purpose, purposes and so exact that it would take away from our freedom, from our creativity, from our individuality. Because mm -hmm. there is a creation and chaos. You know, it's kind of like that chaos theory. But with all these religions, with their rules, a lot of people need those rules. Because if they didn't have them, it would be like living in a country without laws where anything can happen. And if people don't have that sense of grounding in their lives, it can cause them a lot of anxiety. According to all these psychologists, children need structure. They need stability. Once people have a stability for themselves and for their family, they're able to work together on those shared principles, and it creates a mastermind as spoken of in the Law of Success of 16 Lessons, where people in the sharing of beliefs are able to connect with each other more easily on the energetic level. So we're talking about things like mental telepathy here. And these things are very true because all of our thoughts are energy, and energy is like water where it flows from one to the other. What happens if you have a fast-moving current next to a slow-moving current? They balance out. And it can be very uncomfortable if one energy is very different because of how that person's thought cycle is constructed based upon their knowledge. So that's why it's important for what I'm writing to help garner people the knowledge needed to create a greater harmonization of spirit for love to grow. I know that you did mention earlier, Gabriel, that your father's side, you don't engage in conversation relating to, I suppose, religion or spirituality because it, it, it's not that type of vibration, correct? Um, what about the, your mother's side of your family? My mom. My mother's side is much more open, spiritually speaking. And, and that's not to say that there aren't completely areas on my father's side that aren't open. Um, on my father's side of the family, I have some Native American heritage, where it was my father's mother's father was either a whole Native American, wait, Okay, my father's mother's father's father, I think it was, 
either whole or half, but really Native American, um, you know, whether your blood related to the Native Americans of America, um, you know, it's, it's not something where it's so blood relation, but it's something that is of earth, of being one with nature, of protecting nature and protecting each other. But to get back on topic with my mother's side of the family, yes, we're gener generally more spiritual. Um, my grandmother, she had a, um, a rose quartz crystal that she would pray with. So that rose quartz is, it's good for, for healing the body, but also for that divine connection. And people would say, hey, pray for me, your prayers work. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I wonder why. <laughs> and, you know, people are finally starting to get it in today's world that we can use clear quartz essentially like a USB where we can program whatever we want onto it and how all these different crystals and rocks, they have a different vibration due to how the elements in them are constructed. And then that affects our energy field, just like the earth has an energy field. The body has a energetic field. So that can come into contact with us, affect us energetically, how we feel because of that vibration close to those chakra points and then that then can affect our spirit because it's affecting our body which affects our emotions and affects our spirit as a result so um so yeah my family is definitely much more open in that area for my mother's side of the family and also i think because my grandfather who grew up more protestant with his mother being quaker um converted to Catholicism. So it's more like, okay, you know, she's, she's Catholic, you know, she, you know, she's the mother. So you go with that. <laughs> and, um, we use pendulums and things like that. Well, mostly me and my mother. And I don't know if my grandmother ever got into that, but, um, so yeah, there's this festival here called the victory of light. It's hosted here in Cincinnati, technically at the Sharonville, convention center. Um, so I started attending that in 2013 where I met a lot of mediums, psychics, and, and energy workers, um, energetic healers. And that's something that I needed to explore because I've had psychic visions as a teenager. Um, I've had encounters with spiritual entities numerous times. And there's even this one dream I believe this was probably one of my first psychic dreams, interpretation dreams. See, I've, I've had different types of psychic dreams. I've had interpretation dreams, and then I had psychic dreams where I see it happen, and then, you know, it manifests, it comes true, and it's exactly as what I saw. Um, so with the interpretation dream, my father's side of the family, they – own some property in Kentucky quite a bit. And um, it's not to be boastful, it's just, you know. Um, so anyway, my father and his brothers dug out an area to make a pond, and there's all these geodes that came out from it, the type of geodes that have crystals in it. <laughs> and, um, and one of my first encounters with a spirit, 
Um, I believe this was my second encounter. Um, but this was my only encounter there on the farm where I actually heard a slave in chains moaning. And I didn't know that there were slaves buried by the railroad tracks there. There's actually a yellow marker where slaves are buried. So it wasn't just me that heard that. That was my mother. So, I mean, this was a very vocal spirit. And, um, you know, if all the energies are in that area and there's like crystals, things like that, in the area where those energies are being embedded, well, it's no wonder if those energies can linger because the energies can seep into the um, akasha, to the surrounding akasha, and in the earth and embed into that environment. Also, just embed into the matter itself and into that area if a spirit is linked to that area strong enough. Um, but back to the dream interpretation I had. Now, I was only about four years old, I think, at the time. Yeah, four or five where I thought there was this, um, well, in the dream, there was this, it looked like a shipwreck. The, the dream was a little nightmarish to me because it was dark, it was night. It was just all spooky more than anything. And eventually, now keep in mind, this was a reoccurring dream. So I didn't know why it kept reoccurring. But I eventually found out later on that I actually found this out just a little bit ago, like in the past week, that I realized the reason I kept having that dream is because of who was on the boat. See, I would go down to the pond where the boat is in the stream, and inside of it, there was my grandmother dressed up as a gypsy in front of a crystal ball. <laughs> so, you know, she did the healing with the you know, she did the praying with the rose quartz crystal. So a lot of that spirituality, I believe, comes from her. So um, what projects and things are you involved in at the moment, Gabriel? So I know that you, you're on a radio show once a month, correct? Yes, Spiritual Wisdom with Gabriel Hackney. What else is it that you do? Other than the Spiritual Wisdom with Gabriel Hackney radio show, and the books that I'm writing that will be titled um, A Guidebook or Guidebooks to Humanity. Um, there's actually a series of them where there's set to be seven and possibly an additional eighth for each subject that they cover. Other than that, I'm doing ghostwriting. I shouldn't like, give out the name of my client or anything like that. But I'll say that there is some Eastern philosophy involved. So even in my ghostwriting, it's assisting me in my own work through my own education of the mind, body, and spirit. So, Can I ask you something? From an Australian to an American, energetically or in terms of spiritual awareness, is it prominent? Oh, it's, it's becoming more widely accepted to be more spiritual mm -hmm. in America. And I think, I think one of the biggest reasons why that is is because of just how many religions are here. And that's not to say that it's not like that elsewhere because our world is in general evolving, changing culturally. 
where we have people from all countries on earth just intermingling with each other. So that's one of the reasons why, but I think another one of the reasons why is that we have such an open level of communication about it. And with all the happenings in the past 10 years alone, with all the toxic negativities and the oppression, like for example, with the, um, with the LGBTQ community, people are just being more accepting and understanding it of each other and it's like if you want to be that way okay and some people are like if you want to be that way okay but don't involve me you know some people are like that um, but it's just just becoming more accepted actually saw the advertisement for the victory of light on television in 2013 and I may have seen it on the I may have seen it on television a year or so before, but I, I actually befriended all, so, so many people there. Like I'm friends with a lot of people, a lot of psychics and mediums and energetic healers, energy workers there. It's just really wonderful. And I'm even friends with the, with the guy who puts it on, who get, who helps get everybody together to attend it. It's a, it's a biannual event and it's just so incredible. And when you go to events like that, you can actually feel the energy in the air because, because I'm an empath. And, and it doesn't mean that I can read a person's mind all the time. <laughs> but I can definitely feel the energy. And I've had a number of spiritual um, events there because that energy is heightened in the surrounding space. Yeah. Um, I've been waiting for you to declare yourself as an empath during this conversation, actually, and I'm going to use that as a, my gateway to my next question for you. From one empath to another, what do you think we struggle with the most? To me, I think the most obvious answer is large crowds. Mm -hmm. But the second most obvious answer is being in a crowd of people that are very not aligned in regards to your own energy. And I, I could sort of sense that for you, that that's, you know, where you're coming from. And yeah, I absolutely agree because when you go to shake a person's hand, you can feel their energy. And with the native Americans, what the native Americans do is they would shake each other's, left hand because it's closer to the heart. I've actually had some injuries because I shook the wrong person's hand. <laughs> there was this one, this one person who was actually a psychic at the, at the show, sorry, a medium. It, she may have been a medium psychic. Um, a lot of them, you know, both do the medium and psychic thing because they ask their spirit guides. Well, apparently she was in a lot of pain um, I think some of it may have been emotional because of all the energies, but I know that a lot of it was physical because she was going on like a two month or one or two month vacation to Europe to recharge. And I shook her hand and oh, my arm hurt. I mean, it ached for three days 
straight. <laughs> and yeah, it, it was not fun. So um, I think just really sensing a person's energy is really important before you go to shake their hand. Um, if that energy is just not there, you know, just place your hands together in like a prayer formation and just bow and say namaste. <laughs> um, because as empaths, we have to remember that our nervous system is essentially the highway of communication for our spirit to communicate to through the physical sense and for this physical sense also being linked to the energetic sense and feeling the atmosphere around us and feeling the energetic atmosphere around us, feeling the other, what do you call it, the other fields. Also, because we have all these acupuncture points in our hands, we have to remember where we have the most acupuncture points, where the nerve endings are most prominent, that is where we're going to feel a great deal of spiritual connection. So that's, that's something that's very important to keep in mind. Just want to touch base more on, and elaborate more on that. How do you think, so let's remove um, physical touch per se, so shaking hands, etc. Just generally, I suppose, for empaths, um, how do you think, what do you think the tools are or, or what's the survival on being able to get through living in a modern day world? And when I say modern day, I mean being um, substantially disconnected from nature, sitting in high-rise corporate buildings, uh, ridiculous amounts of technology radiating all different kinds of um, energy waves and having to sit in a room full of 50 other people that may not be aligned. Um, one of the things that's important to do is to meditate often and meditate regularly. And this doesn't have to be for one hour or two hours or 10 hours. It can just be a little two minutes, five minute tune up throughout the day here and there. For example, if you're going to work and you know, there's a stressful environment in there and you can like feel it, then, you know, just take five minutes in your car just to focus, just to meditate, just, just to get your energy right. Because if you don't, if you go into that environment and your walls are down, then basically anything can come into affect you and that's going to affect you very negatively in all sorts of ways. It's going to throw you out of whack. And um, so something like a white light protection, that's wonderful. Do things like that. But when it comes to a more physical protection, definitely, absolutely look into crystals and rocks that are good for you as an empath. And I'm actually going to pull up a article here. Can you hear me still? There are plenty of articles online that you can look up for empaths for protection. But amethyst is a good one. Fire agate, hematite, yellow jasper, kunzite, labradorite, lapis luzi, obsidian. See, I I used a combination of black obsidian and quartz crystal. It's not like a clear, clear quartz. It has those fractures in it. And it's not dark. It's not like smoky, but it's kind of like there's a fog in there. So 
it's almost like a tourmaline quartz crystal, but it's it's a you know it's a clear color. Um, so black sapphire, tiger's eye, black tourmaline, all of those are great for empaths. And there's there's even more than that. There's tons of crystals because that will help a person in whatever ways they need help with. But I think what's just as important is to be understanding that it's not a one-all cure. Um, because whatever area that you are weak in, that's the area that you're going to be affected energetically the most. Um, for example, if your throat chakra is very dull and dirty and it's very small, then what's going to happen if um, someone tells you to be quiet? Well, you know, if their energy is like that, then it's probably going to affect you in a negative way. So, but also if a person is very much not like you and you're, you know, you're very communic communicative, yet perhaps a little bit too much in the sense of where you really want to speak your point, then if you feel another person's energy and you feel the need to express whatever you need to express to that person and they're not willing to receive it, I think that's something that people need to be understanding of. If they focus more on harmonizing on simply being okay with how others are um, and making sure that they realize that the energies of others is not theirs because people can confuse that very easily, then people will begin to harmonize much more easily. I want to get your opinion there, Gabriel, on what you might think. What do you think triggers or might cause or enable mediumship? It can be a host of things. A person may have been very spirit spiritually aware in one life, and then they go into the next life. It's like they have this type of energetic programming on their spirit, and so they go into the next life, and they're a little bit more awakened than others. Well, I wonder why. And, you know, it's just... It's like that for some, but then there are people that are in a more energetically awakened environment. It may be that there are simply crystals in the earth where the earth itself grants the ability for people to become very spiritual or for whatever that is for their ability. For example, here in America where the um, Grand Ole Opry is, guess what rock is popular there that is in the earth? I think it. I think it's lapis, they said, that there's a lapis mine there. And it's like, oh, well, that makes sense because that's, that's good for the throat chakra and for communication. So <laughs> no surprise there. Do you think um, there might be a, a large percentage of the world that perceives um, bits and pieces of spirituality, whether it be psychic development, mediumship, or even um, crystal healing as something negative? Well, you got to remember, when it comes to Christianity, there's been a lot of confusion. 
because when people think of psychics and mediums, um, the general consensus for the past few hundred years, especially with all the lynchings and, and that's been going on with trying to stamp out anyone who's been engaging in spiritualistic practices where they communicate with spirits, you got to remember, in the Bible, when they spoke about those things being related to of a more demonic nature, those people were typically worshiping other gods. And, and that's not to say that you can't pray to somebody else other than God. Um, and that's not to say that a person is putting another God before their God. Um, the term God is a very, it's a very wide area of misconception because everything is essentially spiritual. But yeah, there is a great deal of misinterpretation of that, but we can also remember what were all of the disciples and all of the prophets in the Christian Bible and in Judaism, what were they known for? They were known for spiritual communication, mm -hmm. spiritual communication with God, psychic dreams, and all these other mystical things. So, you know, it's, it's all about how people are perceiving it. So there's, there's a lot of that that people have to keep in mind. And you know who the, um, let's see, what are those people that say the world is ending <laughs> all the time? Do you know which, which religion I'm talking about? I don't know. I think could, there's many different slices of Christianity that I can still yet probably rattle off that probably always think that the world is going to end at some point. I, I, I remember the people that I was talking about that I was thinking of the Jehovah witnesses are really bad around here that, you know, they say that, that if people try to communicate with someone spiritually is trying to trick the person. <laughs> and that's, you know, just one of the most bizarre things ever, because when people die, you know, one of the things that they want to do is try to connect with their loved ones to tell them that it's okay. Um, you know, one of the biggest things when people cross over is that they want to make sure that their loved ones are, are all right, that everything is resolved because all too often people pass at an untimely time. Um, you know, it's never a good time to die. Um, so it's, it's one of those things. And even for the people that are atheists, um, one of my friends, he's, he's a really awesome guy. Um, his father was an atheist, and he died. So where did he go? Well, he was in spirit. And, um, you know, he came back to his friend, who his son, my friend, his son, who happened to be a medium, a communicator. And, well, obviously his views changed. <laughs> he, he wasn't an atheist anymore. <laughs> It's like, I wonder why. Gabriel, you mentioned earlier that you were writing some books. How far along are you with that project? The radio shows have been helping a lot because I've been putting a lot of inf information 
that's out there that I'll be placing in the books. There's going to be much more information that's in the books rather than on the radio itself. But you know, that's not to say that they aren't their own things for what they do to help people. As for the books, it's probably going to be 2019 or 2020 before the first one or two in the series are written. It takes about six months to write a well-written book. And the reason why it's a project that takes years to do is because each book builds off of the next. And because they're all interlinked to help each other go from one stage to the next as each one essentially being a course, you know, that you can see how something like that can take time. And I'm also trying to get feedback from people um, to hear what people are saying for what I need to help them with. So that's one of the reasons why I'm taking my time in that so that I can learn from the Raider community for what they need, for how I can help them. Gabriel, I want to say thank you so much for jumping on a podcast um, episode with me today. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. If you had one thing to share, Words of Wisdom by Gabriel, what would you share with the Healing Networks community? The answer to life is meditation. When you're blissful in a burning world, the flames of fury become the fire of love.